The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Talking about what's going on in sports here on a Monday. Recapping a lot of what happened over the weekend, though there are some things that have happened today that we certainly want to touch on. Big news, the state of California did pass this law. The governor signed it into law that uh, they will start to allow players, collegiate athletes, to receive compensation for uses of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, Several professional athletes were very aggressive in pushing for this bill to make it happen. And it did in fact uh, go through. Now there's some challenges and I'm sure there will be in courts. So it may not, it's not going to happen right away, but the NCAA has already said it could be problematic. They've been trying to tell state of California to hold on while they consider some things as a, as a governing body. Uh, the PAC 12 has already issued a statement disappointed and how that may be problematic. The NCAA has said that if you're paying players, you violate the NCAA, you won't be able to compete uh, in these games that are sanctioned by the NCAA. You won't be able to compete in national championships. Uh, State of California governor, uh, they're saying that he doesn't believe that they can enforce that, uh, that uh, they think it should move on anyway. So there's still much to be debated on this and much to be decided uh, but uh, we'll we'll see how that uh, unfolds. As mentioned, the Pac-12 has issued a statement, but the Mountain West has not. Mountain West has uh, you know, a number of schools, three schools that play in California, San Diego State, Fresno State, San Jose State. So it definitely affects and impacts the Mountain West Conference, not just the Pac-12. So, uh, but no, no uh, comment yet that we're aware of from the Mountain West uh, about uh, this new law that has been passed in the state of California. So we'll continue to see where this goes from here. Uh, If somebody does challenge the legality of this law, uh, if the NCAA will, in fact, flex its muscles, whatever muscles it thinks it has, to uh, basically um, eliminate the competition... Uh, any of these games that happen in uh, with California-based schools and call them uh, avoid those games. And that would affect anybody playing those schools as well. Uh, if you play a game, uh, if there's a California school that plays another California school in the state of California, it's not a problem. But if you're anybody who plays a school from California and you're not there in Cali, you could be subject to... Uh, the sanctions, I would think, too. That that game, its its result could be considered void by the NCAA. So it introduces a lot of problems that there's not um, unification in the NCAA about this. But on the whole, uh, do you think, Ajay, that this is moving in the right direction? Or is this creating another, even more problems with the NCAA than already exists? <laughs> Oh, it's moving in the right direction. 
I, you know, and it, it, it's such a sensitive subject because it does. It, it, it's going to cheat some schools out of getting guys they want. Um, recruiting, it's gonna, it's gonna help California schools recruit really well. But Eric, these these players are their their likenesses are being used and they're not being rewarded for it. They're on posters, on on magazine covers, and and um, on billboards and such, and and they're not being rewarded for that. If a player's found, if an NFL or NBA or MLB basketball player found himself on a cover, they would want to be paid for that. They want ex- they want. Um, rewarded for their exposure of, of them as a player, an athlete, or as a person. Such is the case here. I like the decision. I agree with it wholeheartedly, and I hope it stays. And I hope it, by the way, I hope it um, has that ripple effect throughout the rest of the other conferences. I think the SEC might do the same. I really do. I think at some point, those athletes are going to say, look, you guys are making millions off of us. Jalen Hurts uh, was one of those guys. Two was going to be one of those guys. Collectively, replace the M with a B there, and it's really it's billions. There you go. That's a great point, Eric. The That's money in college point, athletics has escalated incredibly, and so a lot of these athletes, former athletes, saying, "Look, they see the dollars. They see look. They see all the fancy facilities that are being built, and uh, the excess with some of these college coaches and their contracts. They're saying, come on.'" You can, we're the ones out there doing all the work. But at the same time, it creates a real, it would, could create a very dramatic shift, even more so than what we've seen traditionally. There's always been a problem in an arms race in facilities between the haves and the have-nots in college athletics. This would just exacerbate that even further. Yeah. Why would no. I go? Why would I go to a school like? Even look at this regionally. Why would I go to a school like Utah, who's a Power Five school? Okay. Why would I go there, or would I go to? I don't know USC, where I'm in Los Angeles. There are hundreds of advertising agencies and media opportunities, um, and I could get. You know, better exposure um, and more money. Yeah, if I go there. Yep, and in a huge market too. That's a big thing. It's, it's in a big market. California is a big market. If you're a USC, wow. You know, and, and I mean, you're you're publicized everywhere, and that's what these these athletes want to be like. As I said, rewarded for that. Um, how much money they can make is going to be determined. We'll find out how much money they make. And I think that's going to tell you how much money some athletes are making underneath the table there. So there's this debate about compensation. And some will say, look, athletes already get compensated. They get a free college education. That's worth something. They get to stay in some of the nicest dorms. That's compensation. They get their... Uh, their their books taken care of. That's certainly compensation. So they get taken care of. And now, even the last few years, they even get some money to take care of what they call uh, laundry money. Uh, so additional money to handle living expenses where they are. So there is, there's already compensation that's going to these players. But this takes it to another level that says anybody else can benefit off of the use of their name, image, or likeness. 
why can't these college athletes do the same? Amen. Now, the thing is that they're, what they're trying to say, some of the models that are out there is that you don't get it instantly because that could be really problematic. Some of the proposals are that upon graduation or upon your leaving the school, when you're no longer at the institution, then you access whatever got put together in some pool of money. But it's... It's. Pro- I think it's problematic, Ajay. Yeah, yeah. What what California yeah. did? Not necessarily. I think that, that what they're being proposed is paying players is also problematic, and it's in a different way. But what California has done is really problematic. What do you think about the Pac-12 statement? So let me pull that up again because I uh, they phrased it interestingly here's to me. What, here here's what the Pac-12. Oh yeah, said. yeah. Read that, please. Um. They, they're disappointed, think it'll have negative consequences. And here's, here's the comment that really stands out to me. This legislation will lead to the professionalization of college sports and many unintended consequences related to this professionalism. Imposes a state law that conflicts with national rules, will blur the lines for how California universities recruit student-athletes and compete nationally, and will likely reduce resources and opportunities for student-athletes in Olympic sports and have a negative disparate impact on female student-athletes. Their statement continues by saying, Our universities have led important student-athlete reform over the past years, but firmly believe all reforms must treat our student-athletes as students pursuing an education and not as professional athletes. We will work with our universities to determine next steps and ensure continuing support for our student-athletes. So that's a statement from the Pac-12, after this law was signed today and made into law in California. Uh, Still, uh, I haven't seen anything, any statement from the Mountain West with three schools in the Mountain West that are in the state of California. Uh, NCAA President Mark Emmert uh, last week says it's an existential threat to the collegiate model. He's very disappointed. Um, has basically said, NCAA has basically said that um, you, you can't compete for national championships. Uh, you would be deemed ineligible. If you do this, any athlete in California will be deemed ineligible by the NCAA. And California legislators and the California governor are pushing back saying, you can't enforce that. We don't think that's legal. They're just doing what California does, saying, yeah, we're going to do our own thing. But it, it, it could widen the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, but some players are saying, look, we're out there doing all the work. We should be able to get some combination or some compensation for it. The, the best athletes at the highest level, they're going to get paid. They're going to go to the next level and play professionally. But there are a lot of athletes who compete at these colleges who won't. Yeah. And yet their yeah. institutions are writing big checks that they can't cash. That they can't cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I would definitely agree with that. And that's and that's what's gonna make it interesting interesting in the end. Um is how this plays out with the NCAA. Like, are you really going to ban USC from the Rose Bowl because of a law that's been passed in the state? 
If they're the best team in the Pac-12, they win and, and fall short of the playoff, lose one game, and they're out of it. Are you going to say, oh, you can't go to the Rolls Bowl, you've been paying your players? And stick. Yes, they would. They could. Yeah. They have full right and ability to do that. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to uh, be the, fun. This new law would take effect, like I said, not immediately. There is a timetable on it. It would begin in 2023. And I think part of that is to give schools time to understand how it works so they could use it in recruiting. But it goes against what the NCAA is about, that college athletes, student athletes, they're there to earn a degree. They're there to learn about the world around them, to get an education. And let's let's just ban. Yeah, the, but no, let's no. just cut, sever ties. And there are no longer college athletics. They're just club sports. It's a minor league for the NFL or minor league for for the. But NBA. here's the thing, Eric. These uh, and these professional leagues but, just rent the venues now. Hold on. So if someone gets a scholarship in music, right? Some kid plays the flute, um, and gets a scholarship in music. Oh, hey, Dad, I'm short on money. Can you help me? They can get money. They can get cash for that, man. They're on scholarship, but they can get cash even though they're on scholarship. Why can't athletes be traded? Okay, so we talk about how come students Wait. can't be treated the same as athletes. Well, you can still call dad for money. Yeah, but if you, okay, so not, sorry, so let's not go with dad. Let's go with friend. Hey, I need 40 bucks to go to the mall or whatever. And you ask your friend for money. And your friend gives you money as a musician scholar, you can accept that money without penalty. An athlete can't do that. Well, you know, we always talk about look, how come um how come we always just make that the, the student is the, the victim here. They're not. The athlete is the victim. They can't go to a friend and say, Hey, can you buy me dinner tonight? A kid on a scholarship for debate club can do that. A kid on a scholarship for basketball can't do that. Why not, Eric? Help me. Why can't they go and ask for a friend? If they're out to dinner with somebody and someone says, oh, you know what? I want to buy dinner for that person. Oh, you can. He's an athlete. But you, hey, I want to buy dinner for that person. Yeah, absolutely. They're only in the debate club. It's, it's unfair. It is unfair. These athletes deserve to get paid. I'm going to go ahead and just be bold and say this. Sam Merrill deserves to get paid. His face is everywhere. Everywhere. Magazines, posters, Mountain West billboards, you name it. He's there. And he's not getting one bit out of it, man. Well, but that's the university using him to promote themselves. Okay, great. But they're also that's using different. his likeness, though. But it, should that be different? If the university is using him to promote themselves, do they have to cut him a check? Yes. Hey, we're using you in our marketing materials to promote yourself, your games that you play in that are our games. Yes. They're, so he should get some compensation if he's the poster child. They're promoting their product by using his likeness. Yes. Take care of the athletes. 
So, I mean, and but by the way, that, what and, this and new by law the way, says, this goes this goes women's and men's sports. Right. This is softball. Yes. I mean, we're talking across, soccer, softball, cross, swimming, tr- cross country, track. You name it. It's there. They both deserve equal. I mean, they 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 deserve to be rewarded for you using their likeness and creating something and then showing it off to everybody else and promoting it out. But this law would also go further in saying that Sam Merrill would then, if used to continue to use Sam as the example, would allow him to say, hey, I love hamburgers at this place. Come and get Sam's favorite. Yeah, right? And then that place would, could, would send a little something his way for him doing that. Uh, here's something from the Governor Newsom of California. Is every single student in the university can market their name, image, and likeness. They can go and get a YouTube channel, and they can monetize that. The only group that can't are athletes. Why is that? Read that one more time for me. Every single student in the university can market their name, image, and likeness. They can go and get a YouTube channel, and they can monetize that. The only group that can't are athletes. Why is that? Well, who's the, was there a punter who had a YouTube channel of his music or something and they made him delete it? Like NCAA, like NCAA is so full of themselves. It is disgusting to me. Yuli Childs, who made a mistake, reported himself for the mistake, was suspended nine games. North Carolina makes up classes that don't even exist to get athletes the credits they need and not a thing. Crickets. They're inconsistent. They're liars. And 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 now they're and now they're being put to the side as an appetizer because California's found a way to reward those athletes with what they and by the way with this new role Reggie Bush would be allowed to be back at USC. Yeah, he never would have. He never would have had to face any kind of punishment. Been a problem. Because you can hire, you can hire agents now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can be a exactly. freshman in college, yeah, exactly, and have an agent. An agent. Yep. But you know what? Again, it's Who could about work out the deals athlete. with the local car dealer. These schools say Nike it's about shoes. the athletes, and they're so full of crap. If it was, they'd understand where this is coming from. They don't understand where it's coming from. It's just it, it's crazy to me that this isn't that this isn't getting through to a, a lot of heads. It, it, it's amazing to me. And the Pac-12 is just mad because they know. I mean, they they should be happy because they're gonna get a ton of good recruiting now. But they're just mad because they know that NCAA is going to banish them from everything. Well, I think it puts you in a strange position if you're a college athlete. If I'm being recruited by a California school, do I go there with the possibility that I can receive compensation? I can have an agent that could work out deals for me. But there's this big dark cloud hanging over. It's called the NCAA and this threat of negating any wins that I may have as an athlete that will restrict me from competing in national championships and other premier events, 
what do I do? Yeah, no, it, it's it's a good question, and it's a good point you bring up. Um, but this similar laws are being discussed right now in New York. Yeah, uh, I believe one of the Carolinas. I can't remember which one. Uh, multiple states are looking at passing similar laws. Right. Now, the one in, in California. Uh, this is a, referencing an article in the New York Times says that the legislation does leave open the possibility that California can rework some of its approach here once the NCAA uh, makes its plans public for how it wants to address this issue. But basically the sentiment in California, their lawmakers and many of the people, because this was bipartisan, this was passed unanimously. Yeah. But their sentiment is, look, the NCAA keeps saying they're going to do something, but we're going to force their hand here. We're going to force them to make a decision and move on. It's just, I, I just feel like these, these athletes need to be, oh, like I said, rewarded for what they're doing because they do a lot. They um, do, and, and, but they also benefit from the high profile of the institution itself. Like John Morant, I'll use him. He was a good basketball player, but he played at a school that hardly anybody knows about. Then you see kind of an average to good player at Duke or North Carolina but he gets a lot of attention because he's at Duke or North Carolina. So that average player at a premier institution is going to have way more opportunity with this than the really good player at school that nobody knows about. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a great point. But in an era where, to some degree, there's been a little bit more parity in some of these sports. Because of just the improving uh, ability for teams and, 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 and schools to compete, this is going to make it more difficult. Because you're going to choose a school not only for its, its name and maybe its heritage, but also if I go there, I know I can get paid a lot more. Yep. There's more lucrative opportunities to benefit off of my name, image, and likeness. So it's going to create this huge gap between the haves and the have-nots. And Utah State, you know, will be on the other end of the have-nots. I was going to say, I, that you've just, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, as I thought about it, you have a team like San Diego State, team like Fresno State, you know, who could reward their players. Mm, yeah, yeah that's, that's a great, that's a good point. But again, I, I, and that's why I think that all states should allow what they're, what's going on in California. I really do. It'll even the playing field out. It, it will even out if that happens. Uh, interesting comment from a former Stanford volleyball player. Ooh. She testified in a legislative testimony in uh, July saying college is the only time they have to profit off their hard-earned athletic success. Because you look at there's a fraction of players that go pro. Yeah. And the other thing that will be of interest is the Title IX, right? Men do get paid. I mean, they're, they're just promoted more in sports. Uh, basketball, football, I mean, and just that's how it is. The ladies, I, I, I still think, should be paid. But are they going to get the fair amount that the men will get 
you know, and how are they going to base that? Yeah, we already know there's a lot of controversy about equal pay. Yeah, this, I mean, that that's going to throw, that, that might throw a little, okay, I say a little. I mean, a big wrench into it. All right, uh, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, let's, let's dive into what happened over the weekend for Utah yeah. State. Big win for the Aggies over Colorado State. Uh, 2-0 in conference now, and an important divisional win over uh, Colorado State Rams, who are in the Mountain Division. What happened? What are the reactions? What does it mean going forward for Utah State? We'll hear from Gary Anderson. We'll hear from Caleb Rep. Uh, big win for the Aggies in a sloppy, wet game, but doing enough to get the victory. We'll talk about that next, coming up on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Big win for the Utah State Aggies on Saturday night. It was a wet one. It was cold, but man, big props to all the students and fans who stuck it out. Yeah. It was that... not there was a delay. It was cool. It was wet. Plenty of excuses to go home and watch it on television. But big props to those who hung through and cheered on Utah State. You know the players feed off of that and felt that support, especially in that second half. When the, the turnovers were mounting for the Aggies, it was a struggle. Utah State turned things around defensively. Um, that uh, Nate Craig Myers was oh killing my the Aggies gosh, in the first yeah. half, and he was, he was silent phenomenal. in the second half. The Auburn transfer kid, yeah, he was. He was phenomenal in half number one, shut down in half number two. How about the defense? I put in just precarious positions throughout the whole entire night, uh, turnovers and just... Bad field position, and they continue to just fight and fight and fight. Um, it just, I mean, we all, I mean, we're all going to think about David Woodward's strip and run in for a touchdown, right? What we don't think about is Aaron Dalton running sixty yards in a sprint to chase down a fumble that was knocked away at the about fifty yard line. Dalton and Baker. Dalton Baker. Sorry, gosh dang it, Dalton Baker, um, chasing down like a sixty yard sprint to make a recovery on a fumble. I mean that's I mean because the kid had him beat and uh, it was a big gain too, and so it, just the effort from the defense was incredible offensively. Jalen uh, Warren goes out; he was in street clothes. I think well early third for the rest of the night. Yep. Um, and we don't know his status for this uh, Saturday at at, uh, at Baton Rouge, but uh, you know it, I thought Gerald Bright looked 179 yards and his longest run was 15. Eric. Yeah, that just tells you. That's incredible, you. man. It was it was bit by bit, yep. workhorse. It was just trying to find little physical. ways to get the offense across, and I thought it was great. I mean, the dude looked like he could barely stand on his own two feet. Dude, he looked like he was going to pass order, out when he came to the podium for the press conference. But he still got stuff done. He looked exhausted, and he had a big gash on his knee, too. He didn't notice it until he got to the press conference in that podium in the big area, in the Spetman. Um, and, and Jordan Love, not his best night. Honestly, uh, he had two very bad interceptions. One of them he threw really late, and he probably shouldn't have thrown it if he was going to throw that late. Kid read it from the get-go and picked it off and ran it back to the house for six. And a b- another bad snap exchange. And another, yeah, exactly. Which then, was on him. The ones in the San Diego State, yeah, Ali Afua, yeah, they were not really on target. But the one that Jordan Love dropped, that was right in his breadbasket. It was right where it needed to be. 
Uh, but again, just too many turnovers, man. I, I mean, and then you look at the the fumble. Uh, I think from Gerald Bryant, the goal line right. I think it was Bryant who fumbled it. Yeah, he did. His one because he he played great after that, but he had that fumble at the goal line. It wasn't at the goal. Was line. it at the goal line? No. Where was it? Was, was it with the bad snap then? Which one was at the goal line? That was the fumbled snap. That was the fumbled snap. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. And I mean that killed him. I mean that, I mean there was just so many ways where Aggies could have put this thing away early, and they just couldn't do it offensively. Needed to rely on the defense. Um, and then save on Scarver. Look, teams have been avoiding him all year. And you're wow. like, okay, come on. He's not going to return it. Come on. Just let him, you know, just give him one chance. He's not going to take it for a touchdown. Who are we kidding? So then he gets one eight yards in the back of the end zone. And you're thinking, all right, well, just nil. In fact, if you listen to the CBS Sports call, they're, think, they're saying, all right, it's going to be in the touch, uh, it's gonna be in the end zone. And he'll take, no, he's coming out with it. And then 108 yards later, Mountain West, I don't give a flying you-know-what what you say in your stupid rule book. It's 108 yards. <laughs> Fix it on your tweet. Uh, 108 yards later, Savon Scarver does exactly what he's been doing. And what people said, oh, this he is, won't do it. Don't worry about it. Just kick it to fourth, him. Fourth, fourth which ties him with, for a touchdown. Which ties him with the great Kevin Robinson. K-Rob, that's right. And, uh, and one incredible, and by the way, Two huge blocks on that play. Huge, huge blocks that set him free on that sideline. Gerald Bright was one of yeah, them. Exactly. Yep. You called it. Uh, so just a great job uh, on the special teams. And, and by the way, big field goal by Dominic Everly. Uh, huge yeah, kick. In the rain. Yeah. With, with some wind. And I think it was against the rain, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was against the grain when he kicked. It's against the grain when he kicked yeah. that baby. Yeah, and uh, and he had room to spare on it too, which was incredible. Huge field goal, and then of course, like I said, you have uh, David Woodward, Eric. Physical, physical game with the Rams. You just know two things: one, it's never going to be easy; two, it's going to be physical. It's going to be a knockdown, drag down, fifteen round fight. Even when we were up by ten, it still felt like we were only up by one, and they had the ball. Could have been anybody's. Game. You were terrified, right? You just didn't yes. know. And it was it was one of the things where those players came walking off the field. After a war, not a battle, a war. And uh, credit to the Aggies for being mentally tough and getting through it. Uh, certainly uh, the recognition was due and it was uh, proper that the Mountain West recognized Savon Scarver for special teams player of the week and, uh, and David Woodward as the defensive player of the week. Uh, he Woodward led all the Aggies in uh, in tackles. He had the two uh, forced fumbles, and of course he had the one that he returned for a touchdown at a critical moment for USU. Guy just does incredible work every week, and you could make a strong argument for Gerald Bright as the offensive player of the week with what he did, but uh, they gave it to Cole McDonald. And you know, look at what he did at Nevada and the way that he did it. Okay, I'll grant that. Uh, I'm kind of happy that the Aggies don't have Hawaii on their schedule this year. Yeah, me too. I mean, if there's, uh, we just <laughs> we couldn't deal with it. We just, I don't know if we could handle it right now. Uh, <laughs> with the way they sling the ball around? Oh, my goodness yeah, gracious. Uh, no, I, and I thought, you know, and another note that, that, that stands out to me, Troy Leffridge Jr. I've been talking about this kid in spring. I talked about oh, him in fall. What a first half. And he especially. played a new position. He was in a different spot. He played in that nickel, and so he was coming up in the box. I and mean, he's that he hadn't played, and boy, he fit in just fine. He loves to put a head down and on somebody and lay the wood. He's not afraid to do that. 
Loved his physicality. Absolutely loved his physicality, Eric. And uh, he and he was playing with swagger. Oh my goodness! Was and he was talking too. Yes, he, he was. He was talking. In fact, it's funny in his podium. I, I believe he said it in the podium where he talked about, "Look, I off the field, I don't talk a lot. On the field, I talk a lot." And uh, he definitely does. I, I love what Troy did, though. The physicality he brought to the house kind of gave that team a needed spark. He laid the laid the wood on the back of cup on Kinsey. I think twice he got him pretty good. Yeah, I thought that Utah State. Pressure run defense was really, really solid. Uh, they would limit Colorado State, force them into being a passing team, and then making the adjustments in their in the secondary in the second half to take some of that away that was working for the Rams. Uh, really impressed with the the adjustments by Utah State in that second half. Uh, Gary Anderson spoke with the media today. Uh, one of the things that um, has been kind of a question is about the depth at some key positions uh, and. There's been some health concerns in the secondary. Uh, we talked about Jalen Warren, not sure about his health. Uh, Andy Koch got hurt on the offensive line. So this uh, depth chart is kind of thinning out for Gary and the Utah State Aggies. You set your depth chart at the end of camp for what you got, right? And uh, hopefully you come out of camp as healthy as you can be. And um, that's one of the biggest challenges. And it's, it's uh, you never want to see kids get hurt. You never want to see kids get injured. But you always try to massage your depth chart to, you know, put you in a position to be able to win football games. Um, and that's, sometimes that's easier than others. Uh, some places you're more gifted with talent or depth, if you will. And then other positions, but it's something that you can't control. Um, and when we are here, we pride ourselves on being a developmental program, so we're not going to have the depth. And I don't think anybody in our conference would sit back and say, oh, well, we just have this amazing depth. That you know, a lot of young guys are developing. A lot of young guys are getting their tails in the weight room this time of year and you know, need to gain whatever. An offensive lineman may need to gain strength and, and 20 pounds before he's able to even have a chance to compete, but he's athletic. And so he his goal is to you know, close the gap as he goes through time. Well, that might give us eight healthy offensive linemen or eight offensive linemen we feel good about, or quite frankly, sometimes maybe seven. Um, that's just the way it is, and that's, that's the same with every position. Um, so, you, you know, you, you base it off every week. You kind of tweak it as needed, um, but, uh, you know, we'd like to keep them all healthy. But uh, that game last week was a physical game. Uh, it was a physical game against a really, I mean, physically a good-looking tough outfit in Colorado State. They, they, they play hard and um, they, they battle regardless of the situation that they're in. And that's, uh, I think we all know as we sat there and watched that game, that's, uh, that team does not reflect the record right now. And I expect them to win some, a bunch of games as they go through the year. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. Physical game, but Utah State matched the physicality. They overcame, sure <laughs> they overcame the obstacles. Oh man, they sure they did. They won a close game. In a in a dogfight. How many? I mean, and I I hate to be this guy and to ask this question, but I mean, think back three four years ago, Eric, a, a game that physical, where things just aren't going your way. San Diego State, you can put that on this list too, where things aren't going your way. You make some bad turnovers. You put your defense in some bad spots. How many? How many times do we? I mean, put a yeah, four years a ago, we years don't win ago, that many games in this regard. No, probably eight times out of ten, you lose those games. Bingo. Yep, I, I would totally agree. And so it's a whole different team, a whole different mindset, a whole different mentality. That with the fact, now, on the other side of it, your death chart is thinned out. Dylan Warren is probably going to be out this week, would be my guest. Taylor Compton looked woozy when he came out. Uh, he was in the tent. They took him to the locker room. We didn't see him the rest of the night. Not sure if he comes back. 
uh, for this weekend against LSU. You're, I mean, you're looking at a thin depth chart now, Eric, on the offensive side at least. All right, uh, Cash Gilliam, didn't he get uh, yep. up a little he bit? He sure did, well yeah. In the secondary, yeah. So that that's that could be that could be an issue coming up uh, this weekend and at LS, LSU. Yeah, and LSU had a buy in their rest and their guys. So just bear embrace, as I, I guess is what you, is all you can do. Uh, certainly, Jordan Love uh, made some great throws for Utah State. Struggled in some moments as well. Gary Anderson weighing in on the play of his starting quarterback. Reflection back on the quarterbacks when he throws a pick, it's oh wow, why the why did he throw a pick? Um, there's a lot that goes into that. Jordan was very competitive um, when he needed to use his legs. He used his legs in an extremely positive way for us to move the chains, keep the ball going. Um, his demeanor was extremely good. He stayed in the moment and he did everything he could to help us turn around and win a football game that was, uh, you know, not the greatest of conditions. Uh, quarterbacks don't wake up in the morning on game day and say, "I hope it's raining sideways," and uh, you know, <laughs> catching the ball and you know, fielding the ball and all those things that come with it become very difficult. So um, we thought he played good and definitely gave us an opportunity to win the game. And, you know, Jordan is, he's our guy, man. As, as, as we go, as, as uh, he goes, we go. And uh, it's, it's going to be like that, you know, especially with uh, the type of offense we run. He made some big plays to, again, allow us a chance to win. Yeah, you know. He was quick to point that out. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night with the press as well that, Look, he's he's not going to get on his quarterback for throwing a, throwing an interception. That there's a lot of different things that could have happened there that led to it. I I get what he's doing. He doesn't want to throw him under the bus. They weren't great throws by Jordan. He's thrown inter he's been picked off for similar throws already this year. Something he needs to work on. But he's uh, doing what he can to keep confidence. With his quarterback, who's still a really, really good quarterback. And do you know what's great about Jordan Love is he does throw that pick six. Uh, and he threw another one. But he's not afraid to chuck it deep again. Caleb Rep, deep seam route, finds him right down the middle. Guy's just draped all over him. Devin Tompkins. Oh, what the heck. Let's throw it anyways. Yeah, Devin Tompkins is another one. Throw it up and let your playmakers be playmakers. And and Devin Tompkins comes down with one. Caleb Mariner goes up and high points. The ball comes down with a beautiful... Contested catch, by the way. My gosh, Caleb and Ciosi. How in the world did we get so lucky? Um, I mean, the receivers I thought played extremely well, to be honest with you, for the most part. Yeah, Colorado State didn't make it easy on them. No, uh, and they, they and they wouldn't. And, and and Utah State knew that though. They knew that going into this game that it was going to be a dogfight. All right, some more comments from Gary Anderson. We'll also hear from Caleb Rep. He had a nice game. He's had a nice season so far for the Aggies, the transfer from Utah, who's also converted defensive end to tight end. He talks a little bit about that transformation that he's had to go through. We'll hear from them both coming up here on the Full Court Press. Also, I want to make sure, this is a shout-out now, if you know what the bread-and-butter play of the game was for the oh, Skyview yeah. Bobcats Friday night, now is the time to call in and let us know it's an what easy it was. one too. Oh my gosh, it's so easy. You heard it right here on 106.9 The Fan, the home of the Bobcats. But it was not our normal guy calling the game for the Bobcats. It was you and AJ Knight yep. uh, calling the game. But we want to know what the bread and butter play of the game was for the Skyview Bobcats Friday night and their victory over Mountain Crest. Can I give a hint or no? 435 752 1069. If you know what the bread and butter play of the game was, call us right now. You get four loaves of bread from the old grist mill. When we come back, 
we haven't had a call, you get a hint from Ajay Salmas. You owe me a bread and a half if I have to give you the hint, though. I get a bread and a loaf and a half. Doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Uh, he's not He's not scared to throw the deep ball. You know, he's, he's done it several times to different players. So, I mean... It's fun when you have a quarterback that's like not scared to throw it up. So, and you just can go down there, and uh, it's up to you to make a play. And that's like that's the best feeling when you got the opportunity to go make a play, and, uh, be able to impact the impact the game in a big way like that. So, it's fun when you got a quarterback that that likes doing that. That's Caleb Rep giving props to his quarterback Jordan Love, and not the the best game by Jordan Love, but you know what? He still made plays that gave Utah State position to win and help this team win the game. Even if things went wrong, Jordan Love got back out there and still made really great throws. And that's pretty part of his just his DNA, his personality. He doesn't get rattled really by no. that stuff. No, nothing phases him. You know, it's just a deep breath, go back there. And as a quarterback, you have to have a short-term memory, right? It's a short-term memory. Um, it, It's going out there and just, look, I made a mistake. It's Got to get rid of it. Got to go reset yourself and go out there and because and, you have, I mean, you have to go quarterback the next possession series. So, hey, want to give some props to John Womack? He called in during the break, got it right. Oh, nice job, John. There was a play with Skyview and Mountain Crest. And there was a roughing the kicker call, and it should have been running into the kicker. It wasn't roughing; it was running into the kicker, and um, and and it was fourth and eight. So they gave him the first down instead of being like fourth and three, which they maybe would have gone for it at that point. And tried and see if they could get it, but nonetheless, it was 15 yards. Skyview scores on the ensuing uh, on the ensuing play, and I uh, kind of ran away with it from there. They just uh, Skyview was phenomenal Friday night. Sound defensively, sound offensively, uh, sound in the special teams. I thought they were just really good. Skyview number two in the state in the latest RPI rankings that were released over the weekend. Uh, this Utah State football team big win for them over Colorado State, a divisional team. Uh, they're 2-0 and in conference play. And uh, Gary Anderson met with the media today and said there were a number of different players who really stood out for the Aggies on a wet Saturday night. Troy and Baker were our defensive players of the game um, and they both played extremely well. You know, the play that Baker makes, and we talk all the time about, and I won't stop talking about it because it's so important, um, it was a 60-yard sprint to recover a fumble. Um, that's that's an amazing football play, and that wasn't just that play that made him player of the game or co-player of the game, I suppose, and that for uh, this week. But you know, he he played at a very high level. But those those are plays are those are potential season-changing plays, um, not just game-changing changing plays, possible season-changing plays. And uh, when it's as tight as it is in that scenario, you know, that's it's tied up right there. Uh, Cam keeps fighting and fighting and fighting to get the ball out in that situation. Um, ball lands on the ground and we end up getting it so those two kids I thought played really well Troy was physically was down in the box more this week uh, made some big plays for us it was great to see Tipa again I think continues to play better and um, just has more opportunities to make some plays and he's taking advantage of those scenarios and those situations and then uh, you know G Bright I mean 179 yards longest run 15 yards come on now that is a that's a tough tough young man battling for those yards and just grinding it out and you know, Jalen was hurt, and so he had to keep on going and plugging when he was extremely tired and kept playing. And, you know, there's more. I don't want to leave kids out. Um, uh, Caleb, I think, you know, played his best game overall and 
from what the offensive coaches have told me and from an assignment standpoint and everything that comes with that, he obviously had a big touchdown. So there are some tremendous individual efforts in, in all three phases that uh, you know gave us an opportunity to, to win a, a tough ball game in tough conditions. Yeah, so many great performances. Uh, I, I'm, I didn't know that uh, Dalton Baker – was recognized from as a team as the defensive the player. Defensive player, him and Troy. Uh, after the, the game in our post game broadcast, um, I made a point to highlight Dalton Baker because I thought that he had some great moments. He didn't show up a lot. Like there were other guys that had more tackles than him, or more tackles for loss, or did a couple of the things that showed up on paper as bigger things. But I really was impressed with his effort and what he was able to do. He had that critical pass breakup. He jumps in the air. It gets him right in the grill, but if he doesn't do that, Colorado State gets a big explosive pass play on Utah State in that situation. And then what he was doing for some of the fumble recoveries and uh, just some critical plays for him, I really loved his play. And as uh, Anderson talked about, Troy Lefferts Jr. also had a standout uh, performance. Uh, and we've talked about that as well. So really sure. a gutty, gutty win for Utah State. Boy, needed that one. Now you got to go to Death Valley and take on a non-conference team that's ranked in the top five in the country. One of the best teams he may have faced in a long, 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 long time. Uh, this team is on, on a bye week. And for all those who are saying that, that LSU might be overlooking him, forget it. <laughs> no. Utah State ranked 26th in the country, gave Wake Forest all they could handle. That same Wake Forest team is now 5-0. and LSU understands that they dropped a spot because of the bye week. They want to get back in that top four. A dominating win over USU would do just the trick. Um, Ajay, we don't have the time to play the full audio from Caleb Rep talking about his transfer coming to Utah State and then yeah. also switching positions. Yeah. A quick summary of what he had. You know, he wasn't really detailing his transfer. He just said he left and he had two coaches. He had said he had a few other schools contact him, but two coaches in particular, Andy Roderick was one, Gary Anderson the other. He loves Coach A, wanted to play for Coach A, so there was no question there. Uh, and he wants to be on the offensive side of the ball. He wants to be a tight end. That's what he's wanted for a while. They gave him that opportunity. He's made the most of it. That's why he. Uh, that's why he's here at Utah State. And my goodness, Eric, are we glad to have him. He's been pretty consistent, about 55 to 60 yards a game yeah. for USU. Him and C.O.C. have came up huge in a couple of games, too, when they've needed him most. And that touchdown, wow. Oh, it give me a break, a Eric. Drape with risky coverage. Risky throw, but you, the way that he went up and got you, it. Yeah, you were. Right. I mean, and, but you know what? Again, what a great throw by Jordan Love to say, you know what? I trust myself. I trust my receivers. Let them go make plays. That's what they're here for. Um, the other thing, too, the uh, I want to point out that how the, the adjustments of this coaching staff, I think they've been really, really good the last two weeks. Yes. What they did against San Diego State, what they did in the second half for Colorado State, in the early part of the game, Colorado State was just killing the Aggies in time of possession. They were trying to be slow and deliberate, chew clock, uh, keep away, play keep away, not give Utah State possessions. That was a San Diego State MO. But uh, Utah State ended up flipping it to where at the end of the game, USU had more time of possession. Utah State went to more of a ground game, uh, similar thing, just to, in, in limiting their, so forcing a lot of three and outs mm-hmm. by Colorado State and long possessions by the Aggies. Just some great adjustments on offense and defense by the Aggies in the second half. Absolutely, and then they all paid off. Again, give credit to Coach Enna, too, making those adjustments defensively, not just sticking with the same scheme and saying that's what's going to work in the second half. They shorted some things up and then came away with a, a solid 10-point win, 34-24. All right, so Ajay, the other thing that was um, 
that I want to make sure we we get on here is the coach's reaction to Savon Scarver. Oh, and, it's uh, so good. His kick return for a oh, touchdown. Oh, yeah. Here's what Gary had to say about the kickoff return. Yeah, if you, if you heard what I said on the headset when he started to bring it out, um, I didn't <laughs> think he was going to turn around and bring it out. And the funny thing is, a few of the kids around me heard what I said. Um, and I just basically um, said, I can't believe we're bringing that ball out right now. And the next thing I know, the Red Sea opened. But that was the plan. Coach Collins had definitely coached it that way. And, you know, he, he teaches them. He coaches them to be aggressive. And that call is really, if Savon feels in that opportunity, Coach Collins has the ultimate trust in him to make a good decision. And the blocking is not going to change whether how deep they feel it is. They're, they're trained to go block like crazy. And, and Savon's going to make that decision. And then his off returner is going to help him make the decision, you know. Um, so they saw the green light. They took the green light, and uh, I was wrong, and they were right in a big way. So that was a good, was a good thing. <laughs> I mean, Lavelle puts that one blocker almost right at your feet yes. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was a nice block, and there was a lot of great oh. blocks on that play. Um, you know, it was. Uh, the kids were a fanatical effort, and he's just special. You know, there's just kids make those plays uh, in certain situations. He's very comfortable in that setting. He loves that position. He loves to be able to go make those plays, and he did a tremendous job. And you know, I would I would go back to that. It's much like, you know, Woody is two times now. Woody's grabbed the ball from a guy and and scored touchdowns. So one time, obviously, it wasn't a touchdown, but in this game, it was an absolutely huge play. And um, you don't coach that stuff. That just happens from special players making special plays, and it's awesome when they can get that done. That's my bad. I accidentally left that, that David Wilbur part in there. When I asked him about, um, you know, because they started pooching it, right? Um, and he said, yeah, we're not going to change anything. You know, the hands team that was there was there. Carson Terrell made a lot of the catches on the pooch kicks. But, I mean, could you imagine? He's eight yards deep in your end zone, and you turn around and look at your quarterback, right? Hey, Jordan, let's go. All of a sudden, you just hear, like, all these feet running. You turn back, and it's Savon Scarver sprinting down the sideline. And you're thinking, <laughs> you were just eight yards in the back of the end zone. What? Oh. Making it it's happen. One of those, no, 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 no. Yes! You know, sometimes the first kickoff or two that a team makes, uh, you, you won't see anything like that. And then later in the game, the special teams people have been paying attention to how you're lining up and how you're, you're doing your coverages. And so then they'll, they'll figure it out. Like, okay, this is the one. We're going to get this one. Uh, that came at a really big moment because... Uh, there had already been a USU turnover. There had been a Colorado State score, uh, and uh, that was huge. Big turning point for Utah State. Kind of similar to what happened in San Diego State with the punt return for a touchdown. A turning moment, momentum swing that went the Aggies' favor. So, great win for USU. Now they turn their attention to LSU. Uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, hey, we didn't have a lot of time to get to the NBA stuff. Utah Jazz had media day today. There's also news about a future opponent that the Jazz will be playing uh, one of their big stars won't be there. We'll update you on that and some of the other things that uh, that are taking place now that the NBA teams are reporting and what does it mean for the Utah Jazz with this new lineup and some of the stars that are coming back. We'll get into all that tomorrow night. Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow. 